and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we're going to be talking about our parenting styles and how we could define them in one sentence. So I had this crazy idea <laughs> yeah, a few months ago. This one's mine. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take with this from this one for the team. I thought that it would be cool to try and to, for each of us to go around and summarize in one sentence what our parenting philosophy is. Now, this is a loose thing. It's it doesn't have to be this hard and fast thing. It can be funny, it can be serious. It can be the parent we want to be. Or it can be the parent that we are. It can be just what we really think is the core of the kind of direction we want to take our families in as moms. And if we could summarize it in one sentence, what would it be? So we're all going to go around and say what ours is, and then we'll kind of explain it and we'll do some chit-chat about it. Okay, well, (laughs) my parenting philosophy summed up in one sentence would be don't freak out. And here's why. Because I have found that over the years that I have a tendency with the kind of personality that I have to freak out about things that are not freak outable worthy. And that always leads me to a place of criticism and irritability and lack of cheerfulness and control. And it just takes me to an ugly place. Anytime something happens, there's always this reflex in me to react, react, react. And so I've learned that if I can just pause when the stimulus hits and whatever is going on, not freak out and not raise my voice, not lose it, not react immediately, that I can actually hear the voice of God with what I should do for this situation. And so I think about my kids coming to me and saying, Mom, I broke this, or Mom, I did this, and it may even, it's a serious thing. Don't freak out allows us to maintain our connection while they struggle. And one of the things I always wanted my kids to know that was really important to me, I'll never forget when this became my motto. I was on a vacation in Branson with my parents and there was this mom. My daughter at the time was like five. So that would have made my son two, five and two. And there was this mom in the pool. So I was not even remotely in the teenage years, but I was admiring this mother with her teenage girl. They sat in the pool tossing a ball back and forth for like an hour. And the entire time they were just talking. The girl would be expressive and she's talking to her mom about stuff and her mom would kind of respond, toss the ball back to her. They were doing this for like an hour and there was such a beautiful reciprocity there and she was like 16 or 17 the mother was completely attuned to her child the entire time and she also had seven other kids that were just all the fluttering around you know with dad and with big sister and brothers doing other things but i was fascinated by the calm back and forth between this mother and her teenage daughter and i looked at my husband and i said that's what i want that's my vision right there I always want my kids to be talking to me. I want them to see my eyes. I want to have connection with them. I want them to know that whatever they're going through, there is nothing on earth that could happen to them that we cannot handle together. 
that's my goal. And I realized that that's really sweet and everything. And oh, how lovely. But then actual parenting happens and actual real world things come in. And I freak out about things that I shouldn't freak out about. There's no reason to freak out that the vacuum is broken. I should be studied. This is some sort of trigger in me. Every single time the vacuum doesn't work in my house, I go like into a panic. It's very weird. I don't know how to explain it. But like if someone breaks an arm, I'm like, okay, here's what we need to do. So why is it that if I'm going to be five minutes late, my head explodes or the vacuum breaks and I literally throw a tantrum? Mm -hmm. Don't freak out is the answer to all of this. Don't freak out allows me to be present to my family, present to my kids, restrain my own impulses and learn to actually listen to the Holy Spirit. So that's why it's my philosophy. I'll now take questions. (laughs) <laughs> so do you have this written anywhere in your house no i feel like i need no. this now i need like don't freak out just like plastered on my wall no but i do say it to myself constantly don't freak out don't freak out don't freak out the milk has ants crawling on it don't freak out it's fine <laughs> the fridge stopped working eight hours ago don't freak out they're fighting again don't freak out don't freak out you know the baby woke up 45 minutes early and we have a ton of stuff we were needing to do in the time that he was sleeping don't freak out. Like, it literally works, man. I'm really good at reminding myself that sort of thing, except for when I'm hungry. Then it's like, nope, sorry. Like, <laughs> oh. You probably need to set alarms to eat food. That could probably be the... I need to do that. I forget to eat. Yeah. I but never don't forget out. to eat. I like food too much. I, but I need so to I forget to eat, and then, I, and then I'm like, I am so hungry, I have to eat, and then I, like, eat, like, horrible. Yeah, yeah. that's what but, I do. Yeah. That's what that's happens That's so break. Say she's finishing her breakfast. It's 10.30 at night. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I think, I feel like I need to get that tattooed on my arm. Mm -hmm. Because that's that quick to anger, like something Mm -hmm. happens, like somebody spills a drink of water. And I've already picked up water like 50 times that day. And I'm just like, ah, why? Mm -hmm. And I get so angry about it. Oh, but it was just an accident. They didn't mean to. It's, yeah, and it's not a big deal, like, but you're at the end of your ability. Yeah. Or, no? or even, I mean, there, there have also been times in the very beginning of the day that something happens. Like, I think it was just the other day we were talking about, maybe it was this morning, we were talking about how, you know, we're just going to have a good day, and somebody did something, and they're like, it was just an accident. It's not a big deal. And I picked up the bowl of cereal to give it to one kid and accidentally whacked my other kid in the head. <laughs> and the cereal went flying out, and it landed on the table. And I just, like, I had this urge to just be, like, you know, yell, like, get all angry. And I felt it, and I was just like, <sighs> and I, like, you know, I saw my kids. They're all like, oh, no, mom's going to blow had to take that breath and not freak out and it was just like it, accidents happen it's okay mm-hmm. and it, it was it, it was does. helpful like you don't have to freak out about it it's very powerful because it gives you grace too because mm-hmm. like probably you didn't sleep very well that night so you're already if you're a person that's like me i don't know if you guys know that but i if i don't get enough sleep i'm a total you know what like for real it's bad like i i it's it's a big problem so, but I, my ability to handle that situation, if I hadn't slept, would be severely compromised. Versus a regular day when I got some sleep and it was okay. To have that but problem like, if I get too little sleep or too much sleep or just enough sleep. <laughs> so sleep's not the problem. No, no, it is. It gives you grace too, though, because you can say, I'm feeling like this. 
Mm -hmm. I'm in a really bad mood. This is bad. Like, I am angry and mean today. I can feel it. Don't freak out. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world that you're in a bad mood. It happens. Mm -hmm. Don't freak out. And we're talking about these, like, as parenting philosophies. Really, it's just a life philosophy. Yeah, or managing yourself. (laughs) Well, it's emotional control. It's impulse control. I suck at that. Well, and the first goal of parenting should always be to control our reactions first. Mm-hmm. That's the, it's to keep calm. Mm-hmm. At least in my home, I that's my first rule because they will respond to how I respond. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And well, I I wouldn't say this. It's been a main focus in our house until recently. Like with my dad's diagnosis, I'm just sitting going, "Is that really worth getting angry over? Yeah. Is that really worth getting angry over?" And so I like. Things that used to be like, oh, it's so big and so like, I'm like, eh, that's really not even that big of a deal. Right. Yeah, like, it puts it more in pursuit perspective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the whole like, don't forget because it's not worth freaking out over. There's other things to be upset about, mm-hmm. and that's not one of them. Well, see, and I'm um, wondering if this is like for me, this would be like a more simple because I I have to do the whole like, and I think it's good to stop and take a breath and like you know pull back and all that kind of stuff. Is this worth it? Like, you know, is it really that big of a deal? But so I, I have had a hard time with like, I make some prog- progress and then take some steps back. And, you know, I think all of us do that. Mm-hmm. We go back and oh, forth, yeah. but it gets really frustrating. And I feel like this, this is big, long drawn out thing. So if, you know, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that the next time something happens, I'm just going to, don't freak out. No, I'm going to remember what you it. said. <laughs> and I also tell my kids, like what you were saying, play the long game here. Hmm. is this really what you want to do? Because if you do this, you're at, you're not policing yourself. So then I'm going to have to step in and play that role in your life. You get to choose the parent you want to have today. You can either police yourself, do what you need to do, work with me, not against me. And you'll get a mommy who's a little less in your face and on your case, you know. Mm-hmm. And all. But if you choose to push against and you choose to walk in this way, you're going to get that mom that's, or you're going to get that mom that's going to have to regulate, regulate, regulate. So I ask them when they start, this is every morning, they start to do this thing. You know, y'all know uh-huh. the thing that yeah. they do every morning, the homeschool that's thing that the kids start to do. They wake up happy and then just deteriorate. Like at slowly. nine, nine yeah. is the yeah. worst hour, yeah. right? <laughs> and, like, and I'm like, before y'all do this, let me just remind you that you get to choose the parent you have today. You can either police yourself or I can do it for you. Play the long game. Because I guarantee you, if you use up the energy store right now, I'm not going to have energy later to do stuff that you guys want to do. I'm just not because I'm I'm a human being. I have X amount of energy. But this is all, these are all just the things that I figured out to manage myself. Mm-hmm. Like to, to accept, A, I don't have unlimited energy or resources. I'm a human being. I have this much. And if you guys use all of it doing this nonsense you're doing, <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. but also I'm saying that to myself. I'm mm-hmm. saying don't set yourself up for failure by always thinking that you have to be perfect and have a perfect response. You're just a person that has X amount of energy and had this much sleep. Mm-hmm. They need to know that. <laughs> like, so that that's all part of the don't freak out philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it's just don't look. Think through what you're doing. But then mostly for me, it's don't freak out on them when they're doing. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Well, see, I think I could say that, like, 
I could say a couple of different things about like my own philosophy mm -hmm. and one of them would tie into what you're saying about, you know, and I said it before on um, previous episodes where we talked about parenting and how, um, you know, is, is me reacting the way that I want to right now in this big explosive angry way worth damaging my relationship yes, with my kids or that. worth making our day harder and not yeah. diffusing the situation, but adding to it and all of these things. So I, I, I love that you said that because that's definitely, I, I can um, empathize with that and I can um, understand that. I would say though, since you've taken that, um, <laughs> I would say that mine would probably what I hope to instill in my children, but I don't always do great at it would be that to instill in them that every single moment of every day, every situation that you make, every or decision that you make and every situation that you're in is an opportunity to grow in Christ, to grow in love of one another, to grow in virtue, um, to grow in holiness. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, like when, when I'm talking to my kids and they are, you know, having, having a difficult moment, um, oh, I don't know, let's say that there's somebody took a toy from the other one and they're super, super angry about this. This is an opportunity for you to take a breath, to learn to step back, to bring God into it and always bring God into the moment to, and then allow him to strengthen you in this moment so that the next time that this happens, you don't react on that impulse so much. And I know I see them and their, their reaction, their impulse Mm -hmm. They're learning that in, in large part from me because they see me. Right. I've seen my kids become real reactive to mm -hmm. because of both me and my husband have a tendency to be that way. Mm -hmm. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, learning to kind of weed that out myself as well because I, I, I love the idea that God makes every difficulty and every good thing in our lives an opportunity to grow in him, to make something beautiful out of something terrible. I absolutely love that idea and I've seen it play out in my life and I've seen it play out in the lives of the people around me on many different occasions. And so I want to instill that into my kids so badly because that is something that I think if you can see every situation, good or bad, as an opportunity, um, then it can make those, it can make something beautiful come out of them. It can either make that situation and turn it into beauty or it can again just make something beautiful come out of it, and and I and I do want to also instill in them through that that God doesn't I I don't believe I, by any means that God's just like oh well that I'm kind of like the mean kid with the magnifying glass and I'm just burning you so that an opportunity can come about right because no, I think no. that's a, that's a way I've taken it before and I think that's a lot way that a lot of people can take it and it kind of it mars your relationship with God. Because you don't see him as a loving God, you just see him as somebody who's using you or using the people mm -hmm. around you, and you're just kind of a puppet in that mm -hmm. that somebody else's story or within your own story. And I want to make sure that through that, I teach them that they are not that 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 is not who God is. That is not who they are. That's not their meaning or their their worth in this life. That God presents us with those opportunities because this is a fallen world and this is a sinful world. And so pain is going to happen. Suffering is going to happen. Difficulties are going to happen. But within those things, mm -hmm. he can redeem it and he can make it something beautiful. Um, 
because we're not meant to go through this life alone. We aren't meant to go through suffering alone. And we're, I think, meant to turn suffering into something beautiful. Use it as an opportunity. So that's what I would say. That's that's my hope. And that's what I try to instill. I'm not always great at it because, you know, then my kids get, I get angry with my kids or I get frustrated with a situation outside of them. And then I end up taking it out on them Mm -hmm. rather than using it as an opportunity to learn how to disassociate things and treat my kids with respect still. And, you know, like I'm, I'm messy. I'm all over the place. So my other parenting philosophy is just messy. (laughs) But Yeah. I also heard something once that kind of another thing that I know I'm not using two sentences. Here's a second Don't sentence. Steal <laughs> other people's though. Right. No, this, I don't think it's belongs to I can say this one. And then, <laughs> I think I'm always thinking about trying to stay super, super connected with my kids because that's how my philosophy was built as a parent. As a, early on, I was an attachment parent, so mm-hmm. I always sought connectivity with my kids. And um, I've since, I still believe a lot in the, the, in the basics of attachment parenting. In fact, I still kind of parent that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that adjusts as they get older and, and it looks different in different ways. But there's this quote from uh, Narnia, C.S. Lewis, and it's just a clip of a quote even, talking about going deeper into our Narnia. And one of the characters says, I don't want to say, because I don't want to like spoil if you haven't read this, further up and further in that that was the goal to Narnia. Mm-hmm. And I think for my family, that's what I want to further up into the heart of God and further into each other's hearts. Mm-hmm. Like, so that, that connectivity and to the sanctity. So there's this trajectory. Now the enemy tries to twist that all the time. Like we've talked to in our other podcasts, right? I start to make an idol of spiritual progress and things like that, that I have to check that and give that back to God. But if I had to describe it, it would be closer to God, deeper, deeper into God's heart and deeper into each other's hearts. I think that's what I want. I think, because I just think of this mom, you know, what teenager talks to their mother for an hour in the middle of a swimming pool? What sort of life has she built into that child, that rapport that they had it was just so beautiful though i watched them for an hour like a stalker i mean it was amazing <laughs> no i did my kid was just you know i don't know what Quinn was doing i think he was asleep and i was just like watching them kind of playing with my kids and they kept talking and <laughs> the kid would laugh and sometimes she would get emotional and like i don't know it's just further up and further in when lauren presented this idea i kind of struggled with the whole like what one sentence thing because like, as a t- as somebody who went through like a teacher training program because um, that's what my degree is in is education you know we have to write this whole like our teaching philosophy and it's like a whole like you know pay- paragraph of what our teaching philosophy is and and that's why I keep thinking about when she is asking us about this and I keep going well there's lots of things and I go and there's you know I have a keychain that says raising saints and that's a big one for me. And it's the reason why it's on my keychains because it's something I hold every day when we go somewhere. We, and those who know me know our family goes a lot of places. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, when I'm really thinking about, I was like, okay, I'm thinking about kindness. And I'm thinking about, you know, going outside and doing all these things. And 
really, I think about what I say to my kids. What do I say the most? And it's really about like being grateful and being um, thinking about others. And as I more and more thought about it, I thought about the, this quote from Mother Teresa. I think it fit perfectly with um, how I kind of try to get my kids to think um, about how they interact with others, with our family and with our friends. But it says, wash the plate, not because it's dirty, nor because you are told to wash it, but because you love the person who will use it next. I really think that when I think about all these different things I'm trying to instill in my children, that that kind of boils it down. We don't do things because we're told to or because we have to. I mean, we do do those things too, but we do them because they benefit us as a community, a family community, Mm -hmm. a community with our friends, a community within our church life. We do these things because they get us closer to God. That's beautiful. I love that quote. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. quotes. Um, for me, I have many philosophies that I want to uh, have be my parenting philosophy. Like one of them that I always like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to remember that. The share your calm. Don't join their chaos. Oh, I love uh, that one. Like, I, I, want, do I, need, that. I do want that on my wall mm-hmm. at some point. But you know, eventually. Um, like I always remember that like when I'm joining their chaos. <laughs> like right after the fact. Um, joined it already sorry (laughs) and you know one that I'm really striving for or like wanting to strive for like more is just how um like is everything I'm doing is in the day is it showing my kids God Mm -hmm. those are the things that I want what my real parenting philosophy is I have no idea what's going on (laughs) wait so your philosophy is the sentence I have no idea what's going on yes Oh, yes, like, Andy, maybe, that's not your know. philosophy. That's your practical. <laughs> that's my life. That is my life because it's like as soon as I think I know what is going on, life throws me for a loop, and God hits me over the head with the two by four, and like all the plans I had go out the window. So my parenting philosophy is I have no idea what's going on because I it's constantly changing. Our oh, lives are constantly so changing. As soon as I think I have mastered the toddler years, they, you know, become mm. other little people who have more want more independence. Or, you know, we have, you know, and then we get to age seven when so far, two now at age seven, like start going crazy. And it's like, you know, eight I thought I knew this child. I thought I knew this child. Yeah, they totally yeah. change at yeah. eight. Does anyone else's kids change at eight? Mine's about to turn. Well, I oh, have, my gosh. This was seven for us. I'm really scared. Seven. My son's going to turn eight next year. You guys are scary. Eight was a year for us where I was like, where I felt like what you're saying, like, wait, I thought I knew you. And now yeah. I'm having to change my whole game. Yeah. Idea. I feel that yeah. way with my 11-year-old right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to get into the preteens. Uh-huh. And then I know, like, I mean, we have, I know, parents of, you know, kids of all ages and, and not parents. And, like, you know, not, you know all, all these And every stage. You think you know what's going on, and then something happens. Well, and the stuff and you learned with the first kid isn't that's going to work with the second one either. Or the third or the fourth. So right as you master the rhythm of a morning or a day, right. then somebody gets sick and everyone's sick for a month. Right. And you're like, this is cruel. Right. <laughs> right. And I, I know that, we, you know, in previous episodes, 
<laughs> unless you rearrange organizing where you have <laughs> previous episodes we talked about these idols of control the idol of control and i know that's a big struggle with mine and that why because of that i feel like i have to have this philosophy <laughs> i don't know what's going on everything's going well and then we get hit with like five viruses mm-hmm. all at once or something you know like you know <laughs> yeah. and we have i have my my planner set out this is what we're gonna do and then we get COVID, and it's like, forget that. <laughs> well, and I think that kind of flexibility can really, like, aid you in other areas of your life. So, like, learning, like, having that philosophy, I don't know what's going on. I don't know, like, you know, things are chaotic. Things change all of the time. Right. It forces you, when you recognize mm-hmm. that, it forces you to be flexible. It forces you to be a bit humble yeah. so that you cannot go insane and angry when, you know, things break down. And I'm going to call it my away. purgatory on earth, though, yeah, because I like to know what is going on. I'm, a, I'm, despite having, like, crazy ADHD at times and not, like, wanting to know, like, wanting to make a plan, I know I thrive with the plan. When we go on a vacation, I'm like, okay, so these are the days. This is what we're doing each day so I can pack for each day. I, like, write down what we are wearing each day. Drives my husband insane. Um, and then it changes. It always changes. So you're saying and I this plan. Right now and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I love you so much. I do the same thing. <laughs> I, I packed with they when the kids' clothes were small enough when they're little, like Ziploc Zip bags. bags. Zip per bags. Day. Oh, that's yes. hilarious. Yes, I did that too. Yeah, when they were little. Yeah. I roll them by days. I, yeah. I just like I fold them. them and I don't. I just shove them in there and then whenever mm-hmm. anybody picks out well, is what they're wearing. Well, now, <laughs> like, old, now, now that they're old enough, I'm like. Pack yourself. Like, you need this number of shirts, this number of pants, this whatever. I don't care. Um, because I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that, there's been a couple of things that you've said that has reminded me of um, the, you and I have talked to the Sisters of Life Litany of Trust. And in here, one of the prayers is that your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, like, this whole thing, obviously, this is the litany of trust, so you're learning, you're praying for trust in Jesus, you know, in many, many different areas of your life, breaking down those vices, breaking down those walls, those, and those idols and things, and building up that trust in God. And it just, it makes me think about that, because this is, you and I, Annie, have talked about the, this litany a couple of times, and how important that is, that, I mean, it seems to really be playing a role in your life, that, you know, trying to learn that God's plan is better. But the process of it is so incredibly hard because yeah. you're a planner. You want to be able to know all these things. That is the thing, you're, that control in your life. And so, I mean, that's got to be, you're talking about purgatory. Yeah, that's got to be a purgatory <laughs> for you to learn that. But, it, you know, like, like Lauren has talked about before, that when you go down the path of this is what I want, this is my plan, this is what I want to do, but, like, God interrupts that by allowing whatever, making whatever happen, and you go down God's path, oh my gosh, the most beautiful things can happen that you never even thought of ever mm-hmm. or that you could never make happen on your own. And so I think you recognizing that and seeing that as your parenting philosophy opens you up to that. Like it's a struggle, yeah. but you're opening yourself up to that. And I think that's beautiful. And see, that's interesting because I just wouldn't have pegged you for somebody that was a control person, you know? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, how long have we been on this podcast? <laughs> but at first glance, you're always the first one to accommodate and the first one to adjust and the first one to like, it's, I feel like you've learned that. Like, it's just really because I'm screaming inside. I don't know that you are all the time. I don't think so. I think you're less, you've, 
I don't know. I just, I feel like you've grown a lot. I don't know. I don't see that. Like, I, But yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. You know yourself. <laughs> Do I? No, I think that the reality is that none of us actually know what's going on oh, at no. any time. I just, yeah, no. And I think that's, that kind of goes in all, like years, you know, with don't freak out. Because with those changes, those ebbs and flows with life. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. And. Don't freak out. Well, I mean, and that's another one of the, the litany of trust prayers is um, that not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Mm, that's that a good one. Yeah. I love the litany of trust. There's a beautiful book. Maybe yes. we'll link it in the comments of this podcast. Um, the Sisters of Life mm-hmm. uh, do it. And it's basically like a 30-day retreat slash devotional on the litany of trust. Yeah, and it's, oh, it's, it's written by the same um, like sister who wrote? Oh, okay. The, she actually wrote, wrote the this, book. The, she wrote the Lineage of Trust. Um, that it came to her, and then she wrote the book. And its sister, uh, Faustina Maria Pia, um, from the Sisters mm-hmm. of Life. But, and yeah, it's um, very powerful. Mm-hmm. I know it's personally accompanied two, if not more, of us on difficult parts of our journey when we needed to just lean into that trust mm-hmm. and not freak out. There you go. Well, and I'll go back to to um, Stacy's about teaching gratitude for mm-hmm. for your children. That's one thing that I'm trying to do as well. And one of the areas that we struggle with is dinner, because <laughs> so. And I think maybe I've said this before. I grew up. If you don't eat your dinner, you don't get anything else, and you're just gonna go to bed hungry. And I remember a couple of times staying up and just I was the only one at the table because I refused to eat those vegetables. My parents were like. Too bad, so sad. You're going to eat that. sit there until either you eat or you go to bed. Those are your options. So, like, that's what I went into parenting thinking. My husband was allowed to make his own dinner if he didn't like. My, mom, my mother-in-law, she said she would not make a second dinner. She was going to make what she made. But if you didn't like it, then you can make something for yourself. So that's what my husband wants to do for our kids. So we've kind of, well, we met in the middle for a while but if they tried it and they genuinely didn't like it, then they could have like a PB&J mm-hmm. with an apple or something. Something like filling, but not horrible for you and a little bit healthy. But my control freak self, we've kind of gone <laughs> kind of to my end of the spectrum. And just like, because part of me is like, it started out as a pride thing that I was like, I'm spending all of this time cooking for you. Be grateful that I cooked mm-hmm. for you. But it was really, like, it wasn't really about teaching them gratitude. It was about, like, this was something that I did for my family, mm-hmm. and you should, you should be grateful that I did it. But it's more turned into now just trying to teach them, like, we don't have to have these things. These things, these are a gift to us. And just because you may not, like, I can understand if they eat something and they genuinely really don't like it. Because everybody has different mm-hmm. tastes. But if you taste it and you're like, you know, like, it's all right, but it's just, like, not the right. best. Like, suck it up, buttercup. Eat it. Like, yeah. eat your dinner. That's how I feel about it. And my one of my, my uh, four-year-old, he has gotten back into the habit of every night he just looks at it. And I don't like that. And he just runs away. And we make him sit down at the dinner table with us. But he will want to go to bed hungry. And then... You know, and then I feel bad about it. And a lot of the times he has, I feel terrible, but he has gone to bed hungry. Other times he's hungry enough. I can tell I'll give him like half of a PB&J mm-hmm. just to fill him up. Right. But give him something, something to eat. But he's gotten back into that. And I try trying to teach my kids like 
these are gifts. Everything good that we have is a gift from God. You don't always, it's not always about liking it. Right. It's about being grateful for the, sorry, grateful for the fact that we have it. Okay. So something that we started that like, I mean, I've, I've like preached that to my kids and said it and like, come on, just be grateful. Mommy made this. Yeah. Teach me. So, (laughs) but something we recently started and I, my husband, I had, I, I told him, I was like, I need you to do this. I need you to be the one who starts this because they need to go by the example. I asked my husband, said, every time, every single meal, you got to lay it on thick. Thank me for making the food. Doesn't matter. You know, thank me for making it and have each of the kids thank me for making it. And then in turn, we thank my husband for providing for us, for our family. Or if he's cooking, then he gets thanked for both. And then he, like, tries to figure out something to thank me for. It's, it's kind of cute. So Thanks like, for being so pretty at this dinner <laughs> But I've, I've noticed that, like, we've only been doing this for, like, maybe two weeks. And um, my kids will do it on their own now. Like, even the four-year-old. Even Aww. if he's, like, sitting there going, this is gross, Mommy. <laughs> you know, and, like, one, one day they were they were all complaining. Like, this is, like, I... I hate this meal, blah, 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 blah. And my seven-year-old goes, but thank you for making it anyways. Aww. I was like, oh, I'm there like, no. <laughs> Of course, it's like the one kid who, like, I expect that from. But it well, kind of trickled down. And then the nine-year-old's like, thank you. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. You don't always have to like the crosses. Right, right. Yeah. And it was just like, but just having that, um, you know, just like that forced <laughs> gratitude, like, at the beginning, like, they're recognizing it because yeah. we can tell them you should be grateful, but we need to be um, like leading that and, and mm-hmm. by example. And so that's why I like, I was like I, we had this, I had this conversation with my husband. I was like, I know like we talk about this and we say that they need to be grateful, but this is what we need to start doing. I really think it's what we need to do. And like, it's really been good in our family. I mean, they still complain, like I said, yeah. but where did you come up with that? Did it just come into your head one day? I heard it somewhere, and I can't think of where. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I heard it s- somewhere. It reminds me of a Berenstein Bear book um, called <laughs> Good Banners or something like that, where the the cubs think they're going to get out of getting having to do chores if they're overly nice to each other because they have to do chores because oh, they're yeah, being mean to each other. Like and But eventually yeah. they're doing their chores and being nice to each other because they just, like, mm-hmm. the, the beginning they're all like, Oh, thank you, dear brother. Oh, after you, my lovely sister. Like yeah, putting it exactly like, like, yeah, that. putting yeah. it way over at the top. And then they end up just being polite and mm-hmm. nice to each other because they practiced it. There you go. Yeah. It is practice, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. Like, I was saying, it's like, it, we are grateful. And like, I know that they're grateful for certain things, but you have to practice showing it. And we yeah. have to lead that by example and like I wasn't going to be the one to be like thank you self for making dinner you know? <laughs> I'm so great <laughs> guys. Guys. <laughs> and it's a good start to being like showing how to be like good stewards of the gifts that God gave mm-hmm. us because like again we're not, we're not going to like everything that's thrown at us but right. oh I recognize that this is a gift and I am grateful for that but you know maybe it's a could you use some more salt or something? <laughs> 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 but, you know, just that whole, like, you know, be noticing that things are gifts, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Just right. It's a beginning recognition. And um, also, if you look at, like, the way it is in Scripture, like, gratitude and thankfulness 
are always come out of the mouth. It's not just here. You know, it's not just thinking, I'm grateful. She pointed to her mind. (laughs) (laughs) But like, it's not, I'm grateful. It's to be said. It should be spoken to the people around you. Even like the love part of our, of our lives too. Like it, I've been thinking a lot the past six months about how important it is to make sure that people know what you're actually thinking in your mind. Cause there's, you know, there's that part it's from this terrible, but awesome movie, divine secrets of the Yaya sisterhood, which I just love y'all. I'm sorry, but it's really, really sweet and horrible too. Um, so anyway, there's this point where she's looking at her dad, and I don't want to give too much away, but mom's been a pill for most of her life, and it's been hard on everyone, hard on dad, hard on the kids. This is what this movie is about. And she looks at her dad, and she says, Daddy, at the very end, and, and she says, did you get loved enough? And I just, that quote has always stuck with, with me. I do always ask my kids, too, like it's been a kind of a thing since they were little, did you get loved enough today? Did you get loved enough? Because the reality is that there are days that we're not getting loved enough. There's plenty of days I haven't been loved enough. And it occurs to me, and I was just telling my big kid this the other day, I said, don't assume that your brother knows that you love him. Mm -hmm. Do not assume that. We all speak different languages. You need to make sure that you are studying him enough to know what makes him feel loved and to not doing things that make him feel unloved. You can grow up in a house with somebody and them never know how much you love them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's shocking to me, but it is true. Because there are kids that will grow up saying, I never felt loved by my parents. And their parents are like, what? But we XYZ elementopede. And why didn't you know? Because I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, And so I think even with gratitude, it's the same yeah. thing. Maybe the kids don't even understand what you're going through here to cook all of this. And this actually is like a five-step process. Planning, going to the grocery store, getting all the stuff thought in time, getting it cooked by a certain time. This is a massive offering that you're giving. Is anybody telling them that? I feel like we should talk more and say more about these things. And then our children will understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think definitely the showing the love is important because love is an action. But saying it out loud is an action, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to. And then there, and that is one thing that I have a hard time with is people's love languages. Because recently I just I, I figured out that I haven't been showing someone that I love them according to their love language. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the effects of mm-hmm. that now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man. Like I, I, I was mm-hmm. doing so good for a bit there and I, I forgot. Yeah. You know? And I just say I love you, which is a good thing. But... I'm not showing them in that way. So it's a combination of the two. Right. So. Yeah, you have to speak it and then you have to be a student of your family mm-hmm. too. Student of your kids, student of your husband. Mm-hmm. What makes these people feel? And then also on the flip side, what are those specific things that really make them hurt and feel unloved? That specific tone of voice or that specific action. Do you, mm-hmm. do your kids have this where there's just one thing that it's like one or two things and the second anybody does that one or two things, they freak out. Yeah, my daughter, um, when I come to poopy jokes at her, I call her poopy. That really upsets her. She freaks her. out. Yeah. yeah, she gets it's very, weird, very isn't upset. Oh, there's just these, <laughs> these hair trigger things yep. where if you do that, is, and then they start doing it 
on purpose to mm-hmm. each other. And well, I know just, I have those myself. Yeah. So like it's, mm-hmm. you know, everybody does. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and this makes me think of kind of related to that. One thing that I've been trying to um, instill in my kids is that these toys, these things that you have are not more important than the relationship with your sibling. Yes. And that goes for everything. The same thing with, you know, like this thing that I want to get done is not a thing I want to do um, that takes me away from attention with my children or with my husband is not more important than the relationship with them, that opportunity to build up that relationship. And so specifically, specifically with my kids, they'll be fighting over a toy and um, just get get really, really upset about it, screaming, yelling, trying to rip it out of that person's hand. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Because in our, in our house, we have a rule. If it belongs to the other person and you know it belongs to them, you need to ask first because it belongs to them. But, you know, we also need to be generous with the things that we have and share. So it's kind of they're trying to figure out That's this back and forth. Dynamic. And it's hard. It's hard They're to figure little. out how, well, this is my stuff. Mom said you can't touch it unless, mm-hmm. you know, you've mm-hmm. asked me. You didn't do that. And now you never get to play with it again. It's like, mm-hmm. no, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. But just trying to tell them, okay, we got to stop. We have to take a breath. Okay. You are, cre- you are, you know, creating this escalated kind of argument with your sibling and yeah, you know, he or she picked up your thing without asking you, you left it on the floor. They were just running around. They're not trying to be malicious. Okay. You have to think about intent. Don't assume motive that you know somebody, yeah. somebody's motive and intent and you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and then calmly just say, Hey, that's mine. And maybe be a little generous and allow them to play with it a bit because you being generous and kind and caring to your sibling is far more important than that thing is mine. And you took it without asking. There is kind of this balance that has to be had. And it's a hard one to figure out for, you know, a four-year-old and a six-year-old and a seven-year-old. But I'm trying to instill that. That's yeah, that's kind of a struggle. Well, um, with this being kind of the new year, I know we talked, this is kind of our um, parenting philosophies, but I think it's also good things to just kind of live by. You know, we have don't freak out. I don't know what's going on. Kind of go with the flow. And that's okay. Finding opportunities to love and be grateful. And, you know, um, we would love to hear what's some of your little short phrases for life are put them in the comments love to hear from you pray that you have a fabulous 2023 and and don't freak out and be grateful and god bless (laughs) no idea (laughs) (laughs) as always thank you for joining us thanks thank you join us again in two weeks until then May God bless you, and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.